any inconsistencies in cauliflower's environment, extreme cold, extreme heat, drought, all of these can all result in a malformation of the head in one way or another. And nine times out of 10 with all brassicas, it's the heat. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This is the monthly Can You Dig It episode. This is Can You Dig It for July, and this is volume number four. How is the weather where you are right now, and how is your garden doing? Reach out and let me know how things are going for you in the garden. I can tell you out here it's been a little bit of a struggle this year. The weather has been crazy after almost a foot of rain in May. Uh, Mother Nature turned the water off and she turned the heat on and it was just scorching hot for the majority of the month of June with not a drop of rain in sight. And then suddenly she turned the faucet back on again and we got, I think, seven inches of rain in a matter of uh, five or six days last week. So Definitely been a little bit of a roller coaster this year, but the gardens are surviving, having a little bit of pollination issues right now in the squashes because when it rains that heavy, uh, the pollinators just don't want to do their job. It's kind of hard for them to get out and fly around and your zucchini and your yellow squashes really rely on that. So we've had some issues with that, but other than that, everything is trucking along. I know some of you are dealing with incredibly hot, dry weather right now if you are on the, on the West Coast, and I am so, so sorry for you right now. I know that you are not used to dealing with 100 plus degree weather out there, especially my friends up there in the Pacific Northwest. Northwest. It's just not something you guys are used to. You have no way to acclimatize to that, and I truly, truly am sorry for you. So I really hope that you get some relief from that very, very soon. So let's move on to our first Can You Dig It article. And this first one comes from Reader's Digest. And it's describing the difference between an Arkansas black apple and a black diamond apple. So we've had lots of people ask us to grow Arkansas black apples. We're just a stone's throw away from Northwest Arkansas. And that type of apple is very popular, but not as easy to find as some of the more modern types like Gala and Fuji and such. The Arkansas black is an heirloom apple. And so it has a really deep purple, almost black skin color, hence the name Arkansas black. Um, the flavor is kind of tart when you first pick it, but if you let it sit in cold storage for a little bit, it sort of mellows out and becomes a little bit sweeter. It's got some vanilla and honey undertones to it. And it's got this sort of waxy skin, which makes it um, really easy to store for months throughout the winter, which explains why they're so popular as an heirloom. You can find Arkansas black apples at small orchards in and around Arkansas and surrounding states, you know, and oftentimes you can find them at, at fruit stands. It's actually on our list of um, trees to try to grow when we get our small orchards put in out here. Now, the black diamond apple is a whole different story. Now, of course, you've all heard of the black diamond 
watermelon, but this is the black diamond apple. And this apple also has that deep purple skin like the um, Arkansas black, but for a whole different reason. You will not find these black diamond apples growing in the U.S. They are only grown in Yingchai, a small remote city in the mountainous region of Tibet. The skin color of the apple is due to the growing climate. Black diamond apples receive large amounts of ultraviolet light exposure during the day with extreme temperature drops at night. So because of this, they end up with this beautiful dark skin and a really bright white pulp. The flavor of these apples is supposed to be phenomenal because they have a much higher level of organic sugars in them, resulting in this really sweet nectar-like taste. These apples are only available for about two months of the year and generally only in high-end grocery stores in Asia. And these apples can sell for a whopping $7 to $20 each, not per pound, per apple. Can you dig it? I don't know. <laughs> That's a whole lot of money for one apple. But I guess when the demand is there, maybe we'll have to go to Tibet and give one a try. Our next Can You Dig It is a video from TikTok user Steve Shaneman. He is Scoob's Kitchen over on TikTok. He showed his hack for dicing onions without any tears and even without a knife. I didn't believe it at first. Now, if you're particular like I am, it will take some finessing, but it took mere minutes to get a big old onion diced up and no tears were involved. At least for me, I can't speak for the onion. I'll link to the video in the show notes, but here's the basics. You basically need one small resealable plastic bag, one large resealable plastic bag, and a meat tenderizer. So the first thing you do is you place your onion, whole and unpeeled, in the smaller plastic bag, and then you place that into the larger plastic bag, and you don't seal either one of them. You don't want to trap the air inside. With the onion in both bags in place, you grab your meat tenderizer and using the spiky side that has all the bumps on it, you start smashing the onion into pieces. After a few minutes, the skin of the onion separates into large pieces that you can simply remove from the bag and you'll be left with a perfectly diced onion. And if this sounds too good to be true, you are absolutely right. <laughs> it actually doesn't work the way the TikTok video shows. You can totally tell the guy diced up his onions before throwing them in the bag. It's not even a really good edit. This may be a good way to break apart an onion if you don't need it to be nicely diced, like if you're using it for a sauce. But also, I hate single-use plastics, so I would be that person who would like use the same bags over and over again, and that's not practical either. The funny thing is, the only reason I saw this is because it was legitimately featured in a short article on the Reader's Digest page, obviously written by someone who hadn't tried the trick and didn't realize the guy did this video sort of tongue-in-cheek. I actually think this guy has a whole series of videos like this, and that's just one of the many reasons I do not have a TikTok account. Just dice your onions the old-fashioned way, y'all. And speaking of single-use plastics, today marks the start of Plastic Free July. Part of being a gardener, for me anyway, is having a deep respect for the land and all it provides, and one of the things that really contaminates and does damage to that land and to our water sources is single-use plastics. 
Yes, I am that person that brings reusable utensils and stainless steel straws everywhere with me. I use beeswax coated cotton cloth rather than plastic wrap. I keep coffee mugs and travel mugs in the truck with me in case we stop for coffee somewhere. And yet I know there is still so much more I can be doing to reduce my plastic use. Yes, Plastics have a place in our lives for life-saving medical equipment and long-term uses, but every single piece of plastic ever created on this planet is still on this planet in the form of plastic trash and microplastics. Plastic Free July provides resources and ideas to help you and millions of others around the world reduce single-use plastic waste every day at home, at work, at school, and even at your local cafe. I'm going to try to feature some tips for this over on the Just Grow Something podcast Instagram page this month, and you can sign up to take the challenge and get tips about how to make small changes in your life that can make massive differences in our communities by going to PlasticFreeJuly.org, and I will link to that in the show notes. So now that we've had a little fun with our articles, let's dig into this month's gardening questions. Remember, if you want your gardening questions answered, use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message, email me at grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, or send me a DM or tag me on Instagram at justgrowsomethingpodcast. And if I read your question, you will be entered into the monthly drawing for a Clyde's Garden Planner. So our first question this month comes from Jen, and she says, quote, I hope you can help me. I planted 30 cabbage plants this year and none of them have made a head. I've fertilized and I've kept the bugs from eating them and they have lots of huge leaves, but only the couple ones in the center have curled into themselves to make a head. What did I do wrong? Is it the weather or something else? Love the podcast and learn a lot each week, so I hope you can help, end quote. Thank you, Jen. I'm glad you're learning a lot, and uh, that would make a really great review over on Apple Podcasts. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> anyway, this is a super, super common problem with cabbage, and there are actually a few reasons for it. Number one, you said you fertilized, and the most common reason for a cabbage not forming a head is too much nitrogen. I actually encountered this in our gardens this year when I mixed up the amendments that I was using for the brassicas and I put way too much nitrogen in the broccoli beds and ended up burning the plants. I think some of that nitrogen ran off into the cabbage bed next to it because those cabbages ended up not forming their heads while the other ones in the garden did just fine. So an excess amount of nitrogen is reason number one that your cabbages may not be forming heads. The second reason can absolutely be weather-related. Setting out the plants at the right time really is crucial to cabbage head formation, whether you're planting a spring or a fall crop. You'll also find cabbage not growing ahead if they're exposed to extremely hot temperatures, and it doesn't take much to cause this. A spike in temperatures for just a week can cause them to not head up properly. So cabbage really prefer temperatures of 55 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 13 to 18 Celsius. So depending on your climate, you want to plant your cabbage so that they'll reach harvest before the heat of the summer um, or before temperatures dip toward freezing in the fall. That's why a lot of Midwest gardeners actually skip the, the spring brassicas altogether and just go straight for the fall crops because our weather here is super unpredictable in the spring. 
and we can have temperatures in the 60s or mid-teens if you're a Celsius listener. Um, and then suddenly we'll have a week where the temps are summer-like only to drop back down again. But that one week is enough to throw the cabbage off its game. It's super frustrating for sure. Um, other less common reasons for a cabbage to not form heads is that the soil may be too alkaline. Um, you might have club root disease, which you can easily see if you pull the plant. It literally looks like the roots have clubbed feet on them or like golf clubs. Um, or the cabbage were hit by cutworms early on and the growth that you see is sort of a side shoot rather than a main head. You would likely have noticed this last one, though, if you're in the garden fairly frequently because cutworm damage is usually pretty obvious in the seedling stage. It would have looked like something came along and just kind of cut the top off your seedling. But even if your cabbage isn't forming a head, don't despair. You can still eat those leaves. Cut them off the stalk like you would a head of cabbage and use the leaves the same way. Just roll them and chop them up for slaw or to saute or use them as wraps for cabbage rolls or chiffonade them for making into sauerkraut. Don't let it go to waste. Um, then clear the beds and do some soil testing real quick to see if it was too much nitrogen or too high of a pH and then just plan for your fall crop. Don't be discouraged. You may just have to find the proper time in your garden to successfully grow cabbage. And this reminds me too, if y'all can let me know what area of the country you are in or what country you are in, it would sometimes make this advice a little bit more accurate. It does make a difference if you're in Hawaii or if you're in Wyoming, I'm just saying, um, or in Ireland versus Australia. So if I have an idea of, uh, of your climate, that would help me answer some of these questions. So um, Jen, good luck with your cabbage. Reach back out and let me know um, what, you, what you figure out and whether or not you, uh, you end up planting a fall crop. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time or seen my post on Instagram, you know my husband and I are both former military and that we love coffee. We also like to support other veteran-owned businesses, so Black Rifle Coffee is our coffee of choice. Each month, we have our chosen brew shipped free to our door through the Black Rifle Coffee Club, not only because it's great coffee, but because they give back to military and first responders with every purchase. If you'd like to support this podcast and another veteran-owned business while also supporting your own coffee habit, head to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Give them a try with no commitment you can cancel at any time. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription. Our next question comes from Hannah, and she says, I have a question about my cauliflower. I planted in spring and am still waiting for the heads to grow. I can see them down in the plant and have wrapped the leaves over like I'm supposed to, but they are still tiny. How long does it take for cauliflower to finish? And is there something else I should do? Thanks for the help, Hannah. 
So this is another Brassica question, and it wasn't the only one I got. I think the majority of the questions I got this month were about broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, or Brussels sprouts. And in most areas of the country, Brassica can be a hard one to grow in the spring, like I mentioned. In Zone 5 and North, you're going to have a little bit more success in the spring, but anything south of that, it's going to be hit or miss depending on the weather conditions that year. We gamble on it every year, and some years we're golden, and other years we completely bomb. We generally have a lot more success in the fall, but it doesn't stop us from continuing to try in the spring. So, Hannah, what you're seeing is probably buttoning. Uh, cauliflower, like all the head-forming brassicas, is sensitive to temperature fluctuation and moisture. So significant changes in either one of those can cause the plants to button. Buttoning is when the cauliflower forms, well, exactly what it sounds like, small button-sized heads instead of the large round head that we're used to eating. In the spring, you have about a two-week window to plant cauliflower, and this can be anywhere from the two weeks just before your last expected frost date until about four weeks after your last expected frost date. Basically, once your soil temperature hits 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 Celsius, Get the plant in the ground and cover it up with something to protect it from frost damage. If you plant too late, the cauliflower is susceptible to buttoning because of the warmer temperatures when we start approaching summer. Cauliflower, like a lot of its brassica neighbors, um, grows best in air temperatures below 75 Fahrenheit or 21 Celsius, preferably closer to that 55 to 65 Fahrenheit or 13 to 18 Celsius. This is likely what has happened with your cauliflower. I suggest just popping those little button heads off the plant and using them the same way you would a large head of cauliflower and just starting over for the fall. Um, try to plan to plant the fall crop when the daytime temperatures dip below those preferred temperatures, but at least six to eight weeks prior to your first fall frost date. The opposite problem you may see when dealing with temperature extremes and cauliflower is loose heads. The curd on the cauliflower head will open up a little bit, and you can actually get leaves forming in between the curd. Any inconsistencies in cauliflower's environment, extreme cold, extreme heat, drought, all of these can all result in a malformation of the head in one way or another. And nine times out of ten with all brassicas, it's the heat. So the final question of the month comes from Rebecca, and she says, please help. I have a crap ton of tomatoes on my plants, but they are all green. I f it feels like they've been green forever, and not one has turned red. What is wrong? And honestly, crap ton was not the word that she used, but this is a family-friendly um, podcast, so that was edited slightly. <laughs> Um, Rebecca, I'm going to guess that you are further out west from here where you guys are experiencing much warmer temperatures than usual, and you're feeling the pain that we usually feel in the mid-summer. If that's the case, I am so sorry for you. Um, the other possibility is that you're in a much cooler climate than where I am. This is actually where it's really helpful to include your location, folks. <laughs> um, what's likely happening is the temperatures are too hot or too cold. So ideal temperatures for tomatoes to ripen are between 68 and 77 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 to 25 Celsius. 
That's not to say they won't ripen at temperatures above or below that, but it will dramatically slow the process. They will not ripen when the nighttime temperature is below 50 Fahrenheit or 10 Celsius and the daytime temperature is below 60 Fahrenheit or 15 Celsius for two weeks or more. When the temperature goes above 85 Fahrenheit, 29 Celsius, tomatoes do not produce lycopene or carotene. And those are the pigments that are responsible for that ripe tomato color. So extended periods of cool weather or extreme heat will cause tomatoes to not ripen. They will literally just sit there green on the vine waiting for the proper temperatures. Now, if you have a boatload of tomatoes on the vine that seem to be mature, but they aren't turning red, you have options if your weather forecast just doesn't seem like it's conducive to ripening anytime soon. Fruit in the mature green or later phase can be stored at room temperature, right, 70 to 75 Fahrenheit or so, um, 20 to 24 Celsius, in the dark, right? A more enclosed environment like a cardboard box is best because any ethylene gas that's released from fruit as it ripens will stimulate the other tomatoes to ripen. So the key here is picking them when they're just showing the first signs of trying to ripen up, which really is any lightening of the green pigment on that fruit. Um, it means that it's trying to ripen. If you pick them at that point and then just keep them at room temperature, they will start to ripen. And, and when you have extreme temperatures forecasted for your area, um, this may actually be the only way that you're going to get ripe tomatoes until your weather settles out. So I hope that answers your questions. And I choose the ones that would likely affect more listeners right now. So I hope that information was helpful to everyone. Um, and now I will draw the winner for this month's um, Clyde's Garden Planner. Drum roll, please. And the winner is Hannah. Hannah, you are the winner of the Clyde's Garden Planner this month, and I will reach out to you via email to get your mailing address. So I hope you all got a little something out of this episode, and I encourage you to send in your questions, no matter how inconsequential you think they are. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had someone ask me a question at the farm stand and had a number of people gather around for the answer because they were interested too. Gardening may seem like a solitary endeavor at times, but we are absolutely a community. And on that note, I'd like to introduce the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. This is a brand new group, and as of the time of this recording, I don't even have a cover photo up yet, but it's out there, and I will link to it in the show notes. The intent behind this community is to give us all a space to ask questions about gardening, discuss food and ag topics, all without any judgment. My hope is that we can all learn from each other. I know there are more experienced gardeners out there than me, and I am constantly learning from everyone around me, and I hope this group can do the same for each of us. I'll be in there daily, answering questions, posting topics and articles, and I encourage you to do the same. I'm hoping it will be a fun, judgment-free gardening corner on the internet. I hope you'll join us. That's it for this episode. I hope you all have a fabulous weekend. And for my listeners in the U.S., happy Independence Day. And I hope to have you all back here next week for our next Garden Talk Tuesday episode. Talk to you then.
You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.